This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Joseph Khan, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And with me is Joshua Dehe, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And my Salona McDaniel, second and student at Aikido of Fresno. Hello, Aikido world. Top off, I want to congratulate us. Uh, oh, sweet. Wow. That's hot. I love, <laughs> I love congratulations. <laughs> For last week's episode, which uh, we have been told was the best episode that we've done to date. So, Wow, you really went there. Was it not? I mean, that is the message that we got. It was definitely the most drinkingest. We did get that <laughs> message. That is not a lie. It's definitely the most drinkingest episode we've yeah. done, and um, I think it's the most collectively drunk we've all most been whimsical, together. most whimsical uh, <laughs> episode. Anyway, at least one listener uh, <laughs> because one listener himself. said it. It must be so. Yeah. So, so congratulations to yeah. us. Wow. Yeah. No, really, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> and congratulations say. to everyone else for listening. What the fuck? <laughs> Josh is on Better stop. Today. This is great. This Have is... you been drinking? I've, I've seen you all day. You no, I haven't. Was in but, your car. Um, <laughs> no, but it was good. It it, it was. My, I'm mostly saying this because I, I felt good to hear um, feedback like that from. Yeah, from no, it was nice. Yeah. It's nice, you know, sometimes we want to, like, get a lot of information across, and so it's a little more informational, and sometimes we're just like, well, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, yeah. and just kind of... That was one we didn't know what we were going to talk about today. But, <laughs> but we know today. That's right. This episode, we know exactly. <laughs> this one was Josh's idea, so I'll let Josh uh, tip us off here. Yeah, so uh, I had been watching a couple of different videos um, over the last couple of weeks, and they were different... Uh, one was a firearms uh, video, and the other was a HEMA instructor. Um, but they both had historical European martial yeah. arts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they both had something that I thought was really uh, hit on a subject that I thought was really interesting, um, and it was the idea of you know what we are training for, or what kind of opponent we're training for, or who we are training for. Um, and in the historical European martial arts video, uh, they made it kind of clear, you know, in uh, we're studying the uh, one I thirty three one thirty three um, sword and buckler system, and they always talk about like the common uh, the common, common fencer, fencer, and by yeah. that they mean someone who is not trained in the ways of the system. Yeah, in the ways of the system, or yeah, um, and and I think a lot of times uh, when you're studying a martial art. And the way that the art is designed, and especially for Aikido, you don't realize who or what you're training for, right? Mm -hmm. So are we training for a commoner, and I'm going to put that in quotes, uh, or are we training for uh, to go up against someone who has an equal level of skill from us? Now, in Aikido, I feel like the way that the system is based and the way that we do the training, we are, what we're looking at is someone who is equal or better than us um in reality though if we want to use those skills uh you know if it's going to be effective as everyone talks about effective against who effective against someone who is equally trained than us that's that's very different than being effective against joe schmo um who may not even understand what's happening and that Joe Schmo, a lot yeah. of times, if you're training for the best person on earth, that Joe Schmo will actually throw you for a loop because you you won't understand the tactics by which they're playing with. And those tactics, honestly, will be really simple and easy to deal with if you understand a, a well-put-together system. But if you can't access that because you're always training for someone who's playing the best game, then you're off, right? I think Aikido people have a huge disadvantage in lots of ways. Um, and a lot of times, I've been thinking a lot about gambling in relation to, to martial arts, all of it. Um, because I think they're really the same. Like in gambling, you can get a level of skill, a high level of skill even, where people can make a living as professional gamblers. However, gambling can never be removed from luck, right? Luck's always involved. And the same is true with conflict. Luck's always involved. Now, because luck's always involved, it can confuse us really quickly as to whether skill matters or not and what situation skill matters. And so, you know, like I, I've hung out in my life several different times. People really like to play poker, you know, and have all these all-night poker tournaments. And they're always playing and playing and playing poker. And it, what's funny about poker is you can get a guy who's no good at poker. He doesn't understand how to play the game at all. But he got lucky and he was bold and he pushed things really hard. And he beats a bunch of really good poker players. Totally possible. 
totally possible. Nat should, if those poker players are really good and understand how that guy's playing versus if he was a good player, right? So if they assess him as a good player and the kind of moves he's making, they would play a different game against him than they would play if he's not a good player, right? Because if the guy's not a good player, you'd play a very conservative game where you allow that guy to hang himself and just when you have the nut hand, the best hand, then then you you go all in, right? And you, you break that guy right down. But if you don't understand that, you think he's playing a different kind of game, you get caught a lot, you know, if he's lucky. Right. And so the same thing's going on with this stuff where it's like, you know, are you training to fight, you know, some super ninja who, who maybe doesn't even live, you know, doesn't even exist, <laughs> right, like right, some right. super guy. That guy in the handgun video Josh was talking about, he called them sentinel events, which is like they're they're rare, but they're these outlying events that like are the best thing that could have happened, right? Or the worst thing, right. depending on how you want yeah. to look at it, you know? But, like, the most trained person, the most skilled in the, this situation, blah, 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 blah. Or are you training for common, everyday things that happen, right? Which is a guy just got pissed off because, you know, his wife just left him and he's angry right now. You know, like, that's a different kind of person than a trained assassin who's out to get you, you know? And and all of us, I mean, probably anyone listening to this podcast and certainly the three people at this table right now, we'll never have to worry about professional assassins because right. we're not important enough for anyone right. Right. to come professionally assassinate us. So it's a waste of our time practically to train for a professional assassin because we're not meeting that guy. Yeah. And yeah, and I think this is the problem that arises in Aikido is if you look at the forms as they're designed, um, they are designed to mimic what would happen against a really trained person who is continually coming in. And that's how the forms actually play out all the way into the pin. It's not that... Um, you're so awesome that you just throw him on the ground. It's that your opponent is so on it, tenacious. right? He's so tenacious. He's so on it. He's so trained. He has the appropriate amount of skills uh, to force that thing all the way onto the ground. Because if he did not, um, Katateroi Ikkyo, for example, would end with you clearing your hand. Yep. Yep. Right? I mean, that would be the end. And then the guy would turn, you know, or whatever. Or... I think that what you just said is awesome, and I, I I wish I could put a little like a highlight it. I could you know you know auditorially yeah. highlight it um, because it's like Ikkyo is so stupidly simple and so stupidly effective that most of the time it would solve the problems you're going to have. And when people hear that, they're like, oh yeah, because you're gonna smash them down on the ground and do a really sweet pin, and you're gonna get them, and that's gonna be that. And it's like. No, what it does is it moves them away from you with a fair amount of force while getting you clear of them, and that generally is what you're going to need, right? Um, If it's a higher escalation situation and you're really talking about true self-defense, after that you draw your weapon, and and then you're using weapon skills. You're not using unarmed skills anymore. Um, If it is just a simple, you, you know, your uncle got grumpy and grabbed your wrist and you you push him off and he hits the wall a little bit and then everyone in the family goes, ooh, Bill, calm down. Um, you know, Ralph, Ralph does Aikido. He'll, he'll mess you up, Bill. Calm down. And Bill goes, oh, I'm sorry, Uncle Bill. And Anyways, um, but like that's, that's what it will do. So like what Josh just said is right. Like most of the time the stuff you're facing is simply solved by Ikkyo and not a big awesome thing that you've yeah. picked, cooked up in your head, which is like I'm going to take them down and prove my awesome skill. Like you know, just shove someone off your arm. Well, and, and I think what's confusing is like uh, because of the transfer transference of forms and techniques down uh, uh, generations, um, we've kind of lost the understanding of the fact that there are multiple outs built into each full form. Yeah. Like Josh was saying, so like there's multiple spots where the the situation might end or you might break free or whatever before you get to that pin all the way on the ground for katate or ikyo. And so, like, it's confusing to to see that because you just think, oh, well, that's just how it's, that's what you have to do with the whole thing. Um, but but I, we may have lost that there that it's it's complicatedly built uh, so that you can get the most out of your training, you know, so that you can get like, oh, didn't work there, okay, keep going, didn't work there, Oops, keep going, you know, so that you're training for worst case scenario, which I think is a legitimate way to train it's just when you don't have the other in the back of your head which is well this may work what do i do if it does work right when i think there's you're missing out there's the two flip sides of it so you know in one sense uh you want to train it to the end so that if some if so that you never get uh surprised by the fact that your technique didn't work right Right. okay Yes. yes but the the flip side of that is also true which is don't be surprised when your technique 
does work, right? And so this is what we get in a lot with Aikido where, um, you know, you put out your hand and then uh, somebody grabs you and they grab you in a bass awkward way, like in a way that you <laughs> as a normal person who has done Aikido. You're like, who the fuck grabs who like that? Who grabs that way, right? And, you, and, and a lot of times you don't, it takes you a second to process, how do I deal with this mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. who has grabbed me in a way that they shouldn't be grabbing me? The answer is simple. They shouldn't be grabbing you in that way for a reason. It sucks. Because it's a shit grip, and you can easily break free. But if you always just train for someone who uh, will automatically grab you in that perfect grab, uh, when they grab you differently, you're not. You don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, you can see that nicely illustrated you know. also when you um, say someone say you're working in ikkyo or sankyo. This happens a lot. Um, and as you're applying the technique, the person you're applying it to turns their back to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that will neutralize both the sankyo and the ikkyo. So if you're ikkyoing someone or you're sankyoing someone and they turn their back to you. The technique is neutralized. And you're like, shit, I can't do my technique. Right, right, what do right. I do now? Yeah. Ah, sensei, help. Right. And the amazing right. problem with that is they did it by putting a more vulnerable thing of theirs closer to you than a more dangerous thing right, closer right, to you. Right. So what they did was they gave you a gift that you should happily take, take as right, irimanage. Right, right. And that should be the end of that. Yeah. But but most students won't, especially the first time they see that, because they're like, well, well God, I'm supposed to be doing Ikkyo. And it's like, you're supposed to do whatever fits in the moment. Right. That is the system of Aikido. And this is, of course, where we get into what are you training right now? How do you help people train what they're supposed to be training when you're training a certain thing? But in a situation where you are adjusting to whatever's happening, being able to see something and it, and it changes and see what other things are available is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, you know, Hema guy was talking about, um, you know, the sort of the idea that, um, you know, someone who doesn't know how to fight, they're going to do some some simple things. They're going to use brute force. They're going to use speed. And that can be overwhelming if you um, allow it to be, right? If you're in a mindset of like, um, I'm facing someone who is equally skilled and and they're going to do a specific, they're going to do the smart answer to my attack. Um, Because the the true answer is... um, their their you know brute force and what it will only take them so far and if you follow the rules of uh, your system right. you will, it will be solve the, it will, it solve, will it. solve the the thing itself the, so. the system you know any good system will outline the best things for you to do in the beginning of the system and then it will from there talk about what happens if people attempt to bust the system right so like this is pretty consistent right where you know like boxing um this is how your feet should move your hand should be near your head anytime you're in range um you should use a jab to measure out uh the distance uh when you think you have good distance you should make contact with that jab if the jab's effective then you should follow up with heavier shots as you close the distance right real simple then good boxing coaches will tell you how people can screw with that strategy and how you can counter them, right? And, right. and the, that's the game. Right. It's, and every system is building a simple strategy, and then you add on branches of different uh, right. possibilities, and you build more complex strategies, and the better you get, the more strategies you understand. Right, that's right. And and so the problem with that is if you're not doing a lot of sparring, and so, you know, 90% of Aikido's people aren't doing a whole lot of sparring. I'll be more fair. 75% of people aren't. I'll, I'll include. Anyways, uh, so a lot of people in Aikido aren't doing any sparring practice. Um so when you're not doing any sparring practice, you start to think that the sentinel events, the rare events where you're facing someone who's got a great deal of skill are the common thing. And that's the way you're approaching problems. Like they're going to have a great deal of skill and they're a super assassin who's up to you, up to doing something and you need a complex answer and you don't, you know. And right. like what Josh was talking about, uh, we had this student, she was uh, uh, in the saber class and she was real aggressive and she would just, you know, hammer down on you. And, you know, when I'm working, when I'm when I'm sparring in our saber class, I'm always trying to use, you know, good technique. I'm always trying to figure out how to set up the next thing and how to set up, you know, all the ideal lessons. And with her, the first time I sparred with her, it kind of had a little trouble because it was like I'm trying to do all these delicate things. And because she's just bashing through them, it's like, what am I going to do? And then I realized that I should just play defense until she gets tired. And then there will be a pause in her attack. And then I can hit her effortlessly in that shot, you know? And so, like, it, it was, it was for, for me, that moment was really like a, geez, I'm trying to do all this complicated stuff. And all I have to do is right. the basic defense for the system, she will then get tired, and she can't defend against my next shot. Right. And it's like, that's the simplest thing in the world to do, you know? Yeah. 
I think a lot of the time um, with Aikido, that's a problem. That kind of thing where it's like, I need to do my thing, you know? People program themselves, like, especially when they're doing, like, a simple Jiwaza even. Like, I need to do the thing that I have to do. I got to do Aikido, you know? Instead of just going, let me just uh, kind of back up and not have any expectations about what I need to do right now and wait uh, to see what unfolds right. and then uh, answer that as it happens and, you know, look for my openings, you know, which is the same thing that you were doing with this really aggressive girl in Sabre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like a, a strategy that is available in a lot of different things that it's really difficult to see because you get so focused on the I need to do my thing right thing yeah and i think that really comes from a lot of like uh like sport martial art kind of things you know and when it is a like a symmetrical thing where you are trying to like score points or show off your skill like you are in that mindset of i'm looking for this throw or i'm looking for this perfect shot and in that case you are training against someone who has a certain level of skill right Mm -hmm. when we're talking about especially self-defense, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it might be, but it probably isn't. Probably isn't. Most you know, of the, time the most of the time you're going to be uh, and, you know, watch some, like, street fight videos if you need to understand this and what people do and how they look when they're attacking. It is not, so, um, you know, beautiful stuff that's happening, you know. If you think about what self-defense is, um, and, and, and the kind of people that you're going to generally need to defend yourself against if you're the average person, then you're going to be facing a really unskilled opponent. And here's why. Because if you do a whole bunch of training, a whole bunch of training in anything, like uh, seeking mastery in anything where you're really dedicating yourself, is difficult and will make a person with discipline inherently. So you have to be a disciplined person in order to get a high level of skill at anything, at anything. Yeah. With this comes the ability to control yourself. With the ability to control yourself means you're very, very unlikely to just blow up and do something stupid, right? To do right? It, yeah. So we've already eliminated most people who are seeking high skill levels as being people we're going to have to defend ourselves in self-defense situations for the average person because they're just not going to blow up like that. Most of those people are in a, a decent mindset right. to do that, right? Aside from that, you're looking at professional situations, right? Where, like I said, a, an assassin or someone right. who does this for right. a living has been hired to get you. Yeah, freaking well, mobster or something. Yeah, right, right, right. if you're making, you know, under six, seven figures a year, you, you're not, you know, right. you, you, you're not ever And if, if face that's the, the case, just hire some people to protect you. Right, that's right. Like, <laughs> uh, or uh, the other option is you're in some kind of war zone, right? Some kind of really bad place where there are people who make their living killing people and you're just unfortunately in that situation. That you, You're going to have another skill set together right so so like you're almost never going to face a highly skilled person um that matt easton quote that josh was talking about the matt easton video josh was talking about which is the hema guy um he was he was talking about uh george silver who um george silver if you can bear to read him uh because it's in old english is really an awesome source he's got a lot of great things to say but he's an an old time uh sword sword master and um he says that you know when you're looking for a sword master he should be able to beat people who can beat five common fencers. I, I, I might mess this quote up, but it's something like five common fencers, five like street fighters, right? Like people who like just get into shit in the street, five uh, chalet mat, like I don't know if that's the word he uses, but like, you know, people who like uh, sport guys, yeah. guys, you know, mm-hmm. who you should be able to beat those kind of guys. Um, and then like, it was like five soldiers, you know, like something like that. But he's basically just saying that like, you know, you should be able to fight all these different kinds of people. Levels, yeah. And and that's what really makes you a master of the sword because all the other guys just have a little taste of it, right? And so you might be an expert sport fencer, but when you face a, a dirty rough guy who, right. you know, like he does dirty tricks, throws sand in your eyes, or all kinds of weird shit that you're not used to and you can't beat that guy now, you know? Or a guy who just is brute force, just a crazy common guy who's swinging around, you know? So all those different people have different skill levels that you have to understand. That and like um, just those different elements, I think we've talked about this before, but like different um, factors that factor into how someone's going to do in a conflict, you know, so their physicality, you know, how fast or how tall or how big they are um, and, you know, their how aggressive they are versus not aggressive. Like there's all these different k- kinds of people and kinds of, you know, they can be common, sure, they can be, you know, mm-hmm. a, an unskilled person, but super aggressive versus yep. not so aggressive. Yep you know, versus really tall and very flexible, you know? And so, like, I think that um, 
we don't do a very good job in traditional martial arts of I mean maybe a little better just because there's all kinds in traditional martial arts, all kinds of people that want to come and train um, but we're still always kind of heading towards that like amazing attacker amazing aikido attacker right. you know and in sport martial arts systems it's you're, you're always looking in who's in my weight class who am i going to be fighting in the tournament you know and they have a similar level as me and so you're really kind of cutting down those factors right. training for a very small group of people well and i also think that you know the thing that you were talking about earlier where it's like the system lays down sort of the basic ideas of what um you want to do and I'm not sure how well Aikido does at uh, explaining those things. Yeah. You know, I mean, the basics are there, and if you are paying attention, uh, you should be able to get them. But they're not explicitly said in a way that uh, uh, most people get them. And I'm saying this because I think it took m- me a long time to really get like, oh, this is what's happening. Right. You know? This is the main event. Um, and so the way that we kind of go about things now, I think we do a, a fairly good job of, of laying it out like that in the way that, you know, um, other systems, weapon systems and, and things uh, do, which is like, here's the basics, right? Here here are the, the rules of the system and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then everything kind of fits within those. So when you're doing the form, you can see how it progresses all the way along the line right Right. and that's and that's what i think's the most important thing and i think that's the thing that kind of gets lost in translation sometimes and people don't they see the form is the the whole thing instead of seeing it as you know a part that there are parts that build it you know i was part of this um I don't know what you call it, like a pan, it was a pan, I think it was called the Pan Martial Arts Demonstration or something uh, here in Fresno, and um, they had a whole bunch of different schools, you know, so they had like uh, karate guys and taekwondo guys and uh, Krav Maga guys, you know, all kinds of, I mean, every martial art in Fresno basically had a representative there, Um, and um, I was sitting with one of my students, and this uh, karate school came out, and um, they were doing this demo where like, these used to be really common. I don't see them as, as often now, but I know they're still out there. But, like, you know, there's the, the teacher, and it was a woman, and then they had this uh, big buff dude who was, you know, her partner. And he would throw a punch, and then she would grab the punch, and then she would do, like, uh, two side kicks, two uh, round kicks, uh, two elbows, two eye claws, two, you know, she went through this flurry of things while this guy's staying there with his hand out, you know. And I remember my student at the time said, what a stupid martial art. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, because look, no one's going to just put their hand out like that and then let you kick them two times and then kick them again two times and elbow them two times and punch them two times. <laughs> and I was like, that's not what that's showing. What it's showing is that at that position that that guy has, if she's standing that way, she has all of those options. Right. Those are the options she has. She's not going to do them all. That form is not like what you're going to do to someone. But it's like any one of those are a potential from that thing. Yeah. And he's not standing there in actuality. That's a moment in time where he's throwing that punch. Right. And she's doing that, that while thing. she's right. parrying the punch. You know, so But it, it's really easy to get confused when you see martial arts and you think that – they're doing something that's unnatural. And this is the big thing is I think that's why a lot of people actually start studying martial arts is because like I'm going to learn this unnatural way that's going to freak everyone out because it's weird, you yeah. know. The other day I was teaching um, some kids uh, shomen yokoman and ski and I like to show them yokoman, shomen yokoman and ski and then say, do these look like normal strikes or abnormal strikes? And I usually get this weird look, you know, like they look at me weird and I'm like, well, you know, if you saw two guys on the street uh, having a fight – would and I, I do like you know a really ridiculous yokoman i'm like would one guy do this and the kids all smile and they're like no they wouldn't do that and i said okay would they do this stuff and then i show them like some regular boxing looking stuff and they're oh yeah that's what they would do and it's like okay and then i run them through basically if i had a lunchbox in my hand and i was going to hit someone in the head how would i hit it right and then they see that the yokoman is what you would do or if i had a frying pan or if i had a vase or if i had a brick or if i had whatever in my hand and i want to smash someone who made me mad what action would I do? And you can see that that's Yokoman, right? And so understanding that we have these really simple basic attacks that are exactly what people actually do when they're pissed right. and they attack you is an important thing to understand. Yeah, and they might not end up in some very nice, you know. Right, right. The, the form is the right. form, but the, the action is what the person's doing. Yeah. I think it's really important to keep uh, just – 
I feel like it's just important to understand the, you know, have an understanding of what's happening and realize that, you know, um, if someone grabs you some weird way, you don't have to say, oh, no, 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 grab me a different way. Right. Uh, you should be able to quickly assess, well, why did he grab me this way? It, it, the, the answers are still the same, right. you know. Um, there's something that, that Chris has us do in the self-defense class to kind of get across to some of the, like, you know, non-traditional martial arts students, just, you know, people that are interested in self-defense, um, that, you know, just to, to explore how to get something out of someone's hand, whether it's your hand or a weapon or something. Um, and I, I think it's a really fun practice because you just, you know, the person grabs the weapon, however, you know, just a stick, basically. Um, and it is those weird, you know, you can grab it upside down, you can grab it from want, the yeah. bottom, however you want to grab it. Just grab it, and then the other person practices getting it really nicely out of their hand. No fast, just, just simple and easy. Um, and I really like that because um, I think that it... In, like, instead of being like, Nikyo only looks like this, you know, you get to find Nikyo. Right. You know, you get to go, oh, here's all the Nikyos. Here's the way. And it's not like they're even going, it's Nikyo. They're just finding ways to get it out of right. their hand, you know, and the same with a Sankyo or whatever. And to them, it's just, oh, I got it out of your hand. It is nice to have words to put to that. Um, but I think we tend to be too, like, you know, we box things in too much. And being able to go from a weird grab, oh, there's a freaking Sankyo that's right there. They've already set themselves up right. in Sankyo. Right. I can just, you know, right out that's what we're missing a little bit. It's funny because we've had a couple students now who um, start doing our self-defense class the same time they start doing the Aikido class. And um, when I teach the self-defense class, it's really experiential. You know, so I just give them situations and I say, hey, do this. You're wrestling over a stick. Hey, this guy's trying to hit you, whatever. And then in the Aikido class, of course, I teach the formal Aikido structured. And it's funny how many students will do the same thing for months. And then in one of the two classes, either like the self-defense go, Hey, I use that the Sankyo a lot right, right, right. in this, you know? <laughs> or we'll be doing the Aikido class and they'll be all Sankyo is the thing I've been doing in self-defense all the time, yeah. you know? And it, and it's because that is naturally what actually happens, right. right? Like the box sometimes illustrates it better and sometimes puts you in a box and you can't right. see your way out of it. Yeah. So there's like I think that both have their merits, you know, being able to find the thing for yourself and having no boundaries as to what you have to do or what you can't do. But also having names for things and, like, patterns is also helpful. Right. Um, I think, too, like, this is kind of maybe a little off topic, but I felt like we want, I wanted to talk about it. Um, like, understanding that, like, just because someone's unskilled, like, they may be able to make up for – so, like, we're, we are training for different kinds of opponents that, like, um, aggression is a really huge factor. And that's something that Chris has been talking about lately that I've been thinking a lot about, which is, like, um, you may have, like, little to no – technical experience with something or you know training formal training but like just being an aggressive person mm -hmm. um can totally overwhelm someone with training you know yep. just because it's terrifying or yep. it's just overwhelming in general um and that can tip the scales i think and and i think in aikido we tend to like lack the ability to handle those kinds of yeah. situations this is video. we don't see it a, a lot we see it sometimes a lot of times you'll see a kind of this uh which is like kiai you know um but it's it's definitely not the same i mean but that's how we sort of i think that's how we show it within aikido a lot of times that would be something like a kiai you know like that's the moment when i'm yeah you know um instead of showing it like in yeah, but just experiencing aggression. There was an Aikido video. I, I don't even remember what it was. It made me real, feel real bad to watch. It was um, some kid. He does Aikido. I, I'm sorry if I'm being rude and this is your video. But, like, some guy, he does Aikido. And um, he wanted to go into a mixed martial arts school and, and challenge one of the mixed martial artists guys to see how his Aikido did. Oh, now, no. now, look, honestly, kudos to this guy for doing that. That's awesome and ballsy and good for you. Um, but uh, when he got in there, it was really quick to see that he he really hadn't experienced much violence and aggression and the guy he was they paired him up with like i mean i honestly wish the, the mixed martial arts school would have picked him a more mellow exponent of their system because they gave him a guy who was a little off uh and 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 i mean i could see it in the guy's eyes like he's just an aggressive person i don't yeah, mean off like i don't mean he's got real mental problems but just like he's real aggressive and he didn't know how to control it yet you know he doesn't you know like and that can be an asset in sport a lot of times but the it's not the guy. If some some guy came in 
from some traditional school and wanted to see what our school did, I wouldn't put him against this guy, for example. But anyways, this guy was aggressive. And you can just see like a shark. His eyes rolled back in his head. He went after the other kid, kicked him a couple times, picked him up, slammed him down. He just beat the shit out of him, you know? And it's like uh, that kid's never experienced violence, right? Like, And so he thinks he's going to Aikido that violence, right? That's It's not that that's impossible, but you have to experience the violence a lot right. to be able to use Aikido against that. If you're using it against mellow people all the time, being chill, it's not going to work the same when you get a guy who's going to be continuously aggressive. Now, sometimes creating pain in someone for the first time they've ever experienced pain will turn their aggression right off. Some people, it does the opposite, turns it right on. Yeah. And so, like, if you've never experienced someone doing that, you're not going to be able to do anything. And this is not limited to Aikido. This is if, you know, I watched a video. This was several years back. I love this video, actually. Two judo guys were from, I think they were from Holland, were doing judo, and they were in Japan, and they were visiting a kendo school, and mm-hmm. they asked if they could do kendo with the kendo guys. And these are judo guys. They don't know how to do kendo. So they got a shinai, then they just swung it really fast, really hard, and then picked up all the fucking kendo guys and threw them on their heads, right? And it's like, you know, when kendo people see the video, they're like, oh, man, those guys are so stupid. That was bad kendo. Bad. Uh, they they, they yeah. would totally have lost. They would have been cut to shreds. And it's like, well, if a good successful min or kote or do shot, you know, a good, good kendo strike had happened, that might kill the guy. But if it didn't kill him instantly, he's still going to pick your ass up and slam right. you on your head. And right. that will kill you when he slams you on your right. head against a rock really right. hard, right. right? So, like, you know, the kendo people are better at doing the sport of kendo. But when they see pure aggression and you get a judo guy who's really used to getting in there and being aggressive, right. it's going to overwhelm you, you know? And so, like, understanding how to deal with aggression and understanding what aggression does. Aggression pushes the luck moment to the max, right? So, like... When we do stuff, all of us, when we do stuff, we're going to have moments when we do the right thing and moments when we do the wrong thing. The more skilled you are, your percentage of right to wrong goes way up, right? So, you know, maybe 90% of the time you do the right thing, 10% of the time you do the wrong thing. Now you get an unskilled person. Maybe 40% of the time they do the right thing, 60% of the time they do the wrong thing. If that person who's unskilled is pushing it, meaning they're being mega aggressive, they're going as hard and fast as they can, if that happens to be at a moment where you're, you're doing your 10%, they will overcome you. Right. And so it, it, that's a hard thing to understand. Look, 40% or 60% of the time that person would lose, but if they happen to push it at the right moment, they will beat you. And so it, you have to play a safer game yet even than you normally would, you know, like – it gets skewed when you play with aggression. And that's why violence and aggression is fantastic in a self-defense situation. Because once you turn it on, it's hard to ignore, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to experience. Um, and I think it's a little easier to see, I feel, at least for me, um, when we've done some of the like uh, grappling that we do in the self-defense class. Um, just because it's very tactile. Uh, and for me, that's easy to perceive what's going on. Um, and rolling with someone so like at first when you first start grappling and rolling like you don't know how to not be aggressive or because you're on like complete red alert because you don't know how to chill out but once you kind of get into the groove of that you're able to um be relaxed about it and and just kind of play and you're not worried about necessarily losing or winning and you're just kind of rolling around and learning about the, the the martial art um but then when you go with someone who's like super aggressive like it you can't be chill like and if you are being chill like they just take every little inch that you give them Mm -hmm. and when you're used to relaxing and rolling and and you know i'll give an inch you give an inch we change positions i do a little something you do a little something we're both learning um and then you you do that but with someone who's gonna take every inch that you give them then there's like it's really hard to to do anything and so it's a really difficult like um i don't know to me that's a, a way to illustrate that like aggression it will take every inch that you yeah, give. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and <clears throat> so you have to be either more conservative or you have to meet them at aggression right. level. And if you can't meet them, then that's difficult too. Right, and that's I mean, so that's exactly the same in poker or in anything where it's like the more aggressive they are, the more defensive and conservative of a game you have to play, unless you're certain that in that moment they're making a mistake, right? And so that's how you beat someone in poker like that is you just play a really tight game where it's like you don't play unless you have the best hands possible, and then you go you go at them. You know, when they make that mistake, you've got to attack like a shark. And same thing's true in sword fighting or anything else. You know, you get someone who's being really aggressive, you have to um, chill out and play defensively for as long as possible and then look for your openings really 
carefully and then take that uh, with right. complete aggression yourself. And, and be uh, open to the fact that, you know, sometimes the answer could be easier than you're, you're wanting to make right. of it That's exactly in those right. situations. You know, a guy might be aggressive and he's coming at, at you full speed. Um, maybe he's not at all covering openings and you can just step in and, and hit it. You know, maybe he's coming in aggressively and is not going to realize as you duck under and, you know, catch him with a IQ Tosh or something, you know, right. like, um, so you don't have to let yourself be overwhelmed by it either, you know, yeah. and I think, the but you big, just have to know what your moment right. is. I think the big thing for me on this is just realize, like, you know, understanding that some people might do stupid things like stupid things in terms of the way that they are attacking um and being aware of that uh and understanding that the answer to that is going is is going to be easier than you think for us a lot of times we'll say it, it like um you know the the thing you were talking about people turning their back to you um that's a perfect example where uh if you don't understand whatever that can be a problem i can't do sankyo now yeah but you can grab them by their hair and just right. tug them Pull to the ground down. or whatever yeah. um and i feel like there's a lot of situations like that in aikido where um you know how you're doing e uh ikyo, for example ah they're pushing their their elbow down okay let them there will be another technique that falls in in there right 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 um but if you're not open to the fact that yeah people do stupid things um you know if you're always thinking that your opponent is going to do the perfect match because you know they know what you know you're going you're not doing yourself a service and you see it across you know in in a lot of the you know um they talk about it in in the historic european martial arts a lot you know where it's like yeah we because we're both of a similar level usually it looks like there's this match going on, and there is. Um, but if you're going up against someone who who is not your match, exploit right. it. You it's know? A, it, this pisses me all, off a lot uh, when we're saber fencing, actually, because um, sometimes I'll throw a shot knowing that the best option for the other person is simply to block the shot. And I know that they can block the shot, and I'm depending upon that to set up my next shot. So I throw a shot knowing that if they're at all intelligent, they will block the shot, and then I will have the shot that I really want. And so what they do instead is they let themselves get hit on the head, and then they cut me too. And it makes me really pissed. And I I get really pissed because the truth is I was playing a risky game. I, I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have been playing a much more conservative game, and I shouldn't have thrown that shot because if they did choose to hit me, I am open as well. But nonetheless, I am training for someone. I'm trying to get someone who I expect to do the thing you should do, right. but they don't. They do the other thing. Now, we both die, so it didn't turn out good for them either, but I died, and I'm stupid because I really am actually trying to do the smart thing, and then I realize. I wasn't doing the smart thing either, and that makes me really mad. But, you know, always depending upon the other person to have the textbook response that you expect. You know, like yeah. Sankyo, textbook response is they should stay action forward. And in, in Sankyo, there is no good. Uh, turning your back is absolutely bad. There's no plus right, to right. it. But, um, I mean, you could throw an elbow, but that can be modified I- instantly. Um, so, so like, there is no plus. But you're always expecting that, and then all of a sudden they turn their back, and you're like, oh, I didn't get my Sankyo. And it's right. like, yeah, you got something better, right, so take yeah. that, you know. Or sometimes, you know, uh, someone uh, lets go of your hand and moves away. Okay. That's great. You know, Wonderful. And we let see go that, of me. Thank you. Uh, we see that a lot. Or, you know, we, I feel this a lot in Giawasa where, like, um, you know, people just stay out of the range to do anything for you. And they kind of hedge their bets a little bit. Um, and a lot of times they'll catch you. I've been caught with this where – uh, I, then I engage them because I want to get the thing happening. Right. Um, but the truth is, if they're not in a in a distance to be able to uh, hurt me, who cares? Yep. Exactly I think right. this goes right back to you know. the training versus what are we training for thing. Right. You know, which is like let's maximize our training. So we're gonna make a lot of choices on the mat that we probably shouldn't have shouldn't make when we're really trying to apply whatever system we're learning because on the mat we want to learn it as much as possible right so we're gonna make choices like like josh just said i'm gonna try and re-engage because i want 
do Aikido, you know? Right. And there is some validity to that because it's fucking maximize your training while you're on the mat. Also, though, um, if you kind of lean towards that too much, then you're training yourself to do have these weird responses that you are that are not in line with the uh, the goal of the system as applied in a quote unquote real situation. Right. So it's very like and that's, confusing. Right, and I think that's something that I'm I look out for in myself uh, a lot, uh, w- which is like, am I training? Am I training the appropriate responses? Because you know, in a situation, if someone does something stupid or stupid, I in quotes, but not in in line with what sets up for the particular technique, a lot of times I can make it work. You know, to get the technique off, um, I can adjust things so that you know. But you're not doing yourself a service by doing that, you know. Right. Um, and so, if you do find yourself doing that, be understand it for yourself, and a lot of times uh, make it clear to your partner. Like, look, I just did a thing right now so that we could get this technique to unfold the way it's supposed to. Right. That's not but the that's normal not, thing, right. but yeah. Um, because I think that's really a, a terrible training thing, and I've and I felt it happen for myself a lot of times, where it's like, ah, I'm just doing this thing to make it work right now for the training, for the sake of training, and uh, a lot of times I'll try to get it cleaned up so that it's like let's be um, as true to it as we can, you know. Yeah, I think like overall, like like trying to. Uh think about and then also when you're on the mat like play with a little more like be a little more playful with Aikido when it comes to like having different responses to different um different kinds of people kinds of attackers mm-hmm. you know and it's pretty like Aikido is great for this just because there are always so many different kinds of people on the mat you know big people small people flexible people not flexible people um and like uh, you know understanding like allowing yourself to like uh, you know try uh, a weird grab for example, mm-hmm. someone grabs you in an imperfect way. What can you do from there? Mm-hmm. What are your responses? What happens if they let go halfway through your technique? What are you What are you supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and like letting yourself like, because um, it's like we all do the repeated forms and do the perfect, you know, all the way, you know, take them all the way to the ground. So it's like you probably are familiar with them with that by now. But what happens if they don't do that? You right. Know? There are a million other options, you know? And I feel like you get caught a lot of times in techniques with that exact thing, you know? So you're doing Yuri uh, Minage, for example, and at a certain point, they just decide that they, they're they not going to come follow you around. They're not uh, having it. They're just, yeah, they're just done. Um, and so that messes up the technique, but it does not mess up... Shouldn't mess up you. Your, yeah. your, it, right, what you're doing. You know, they stop, okay, you stop. Right. And then, you know, so that's something that also I, you know, I I've have tried too, which is like if you're in the middle of a flow of a technique and the flow stops, don't you continue. That's right. Stop with them. Yeah. You, you know, that's 100% sort of, commitment, zero yeah. attachment. I mean, I think that's the like you know, way, you know, it's like everything we do, we do it as true as we possibly can do it. But then we're not attached. If it doesn't work, then we're willing to go on to the next thing and do that thing as truly as possible. Yeah. Um, this one kind of stumped me for a while. So we have a couple really flexible, super long armed, flexible people in the dojo. And so we'll do this, um, we'll do this, uh, drill where they have like a katadori grab and you're just trying to practice breaking free of that grab using whatever, whatever. And it'll, you know, go for 30 seconds and then reset every time you pop free. Um, I like it a lot because it, it kind of, you're, you're practicing that moment of I pop free, you know, and, and getting that off not having to do a whole technique take them to the ground kind of thing. Um, but for those people that are really flexible and really long-armed, it can often be difficult because they'll just, they'll, you know, oh, you want to Nikyo me? I can I can work with that. Oh, you're going to try and do this? Oh, I'm flexible, you know, and mm-hmm. they'll just follow you around. Um, and that's a really difficult person to work with because the more stiff someone is, the easier it is to pop them free. Mm-hmm. But if they're flexible, it's really hard. What's so funny is uh, generally with those kind of people, the full techniques and the full forms work well, right, better. Right, right. Uh, and so what's funny is the stuff we practice all the time, 
all of a sudden doesn't work when you get someone who's being rigid and inflexible. And so like you're like, oh, I'm doing the technique wrong because I can't get the full technique off. But then when you simplify your mind and say, no, my only objective is to break free, then it's easy on those people. But then when you get the people who the forms will actually apply to, you're like, oh, what do I do? And it's like the form, motherfucker. That's what you do, right. you know? Right, And I think that's the, the thing of understanding who we're training for, you know, there, there, and, and understanding that there is a spectrum. And while what we see, what we see most of the time, is uh, training against someone who is very skilled in uh, keeping that connection, um, that's not necessarily who we're, who we should be training for, right? Because that's not the person that we're gonna encounter on the street most of the time. Yep. Yep. So, all right. So we're for there. It is. I'm done. Minutes, folks. That's Drop all. The I, mic. Don't. All I have to say about that. Um, yeah. So uh, we got. Uh, we're gonna thank our patrons here, yeah. and then we got to uh, do our tip of the day, and we'll be off uh, here. It's funny. I've been looking um, at the the minutes at the end. You know, so yeah. like on SoundCloud, you can see how long each episode is, and we we just kind of get it creeping longer and longer and longer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> So we, sorry if they're getting a little long. For we're you. gonna we're gonna be at those four hour episodes. Yeah, we really. I mean, I remember when we started, we were th- talking like thirty to forty five minutes, you know, and, and that's a nice quick listen. But it, it's like eh, we kind of ramble a while now, and and then we got stuff we got to do at of, the end yeah, here. Yeah. So like right now, I'm just kind of rambling. Talk about our uh, patrons. All right, I got them. They're here. Very nice. They're here. They're here. What our, if they were? Whoa. Our patrons in are studio here. A live uh, <laughs> podcast studio with M. our with right. our patrons. Okay, um, so thank you so much to all of our patrons. We really appreciate you guys. Um, you make it possible for us to continue making this right. podcast. Really, really and truly. Um, and, uh, you know, no matter how much you're helping, literally a dollar is really helpful. And um, also, if, it, if you know, sometimes you got to step out for a second and not donate. Yeah, totally Totally awesome. cool. We really appreciate anybody at any amount. Super grateful. Um, thank you so much to John Smith, Rob Kitson, Lenny Acuna, Yuli Simgu, Matt Mumford, Urbano, Brian Crowley, Franz Martinson, Matt Riley, Warwick Dean, Lise Klein, Sharon Okada, Jim Gallant, Christopher Aceto, and Grant Templin. And we just got a new one. It's not on this list, but I'm going to go and grab that one as well. Um, our new uh, Patreon supporter is Constant. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get this. Constantinos uh, Andrew. I hope I said it right. Yeah. Sorry, message if, us. If not. Get yeah. mad at me. I'm wrong I, I actually asked for some uh, episode ideas too. We're yeah. gonna, we're getting you around to pretty soon. So I appreciate that. You know, some of those uh, patrons we've had for a long time. You yeah, know, the names seriously. I can grab. Oh along. yeah, man. But now we have a, a really good set of new patrons as well. So we have uh, you know new new people who are listening and and uh, you know willing to help out. So I. Really do. Yeah, it's that. awesome. It's really, really great. Yeah, um, keep messaging us too. If you know, if you listen to an episode and you're like, "Yeah, but I didn't get my question answered," you know, or right. this raised a new question for me and you guys did not answer it. Yeah, because see, a lot of times uh, we hit what we think's right, and then I, a lot of times we're done of like, I don't know if we answered that person's right, or question like, or not. You know, Josh will be saying something, and then I cut in, and then we go a different direction, and you know, Josh never got to finish his right. thought, or you know. Whatever. So it's it's nice to, for you to let us know what else you want to hear from us and what we missed. We have a couple of uh, ideas coming up, so we, we, we're probably going to be good for a while. We're going to be uh, at Combat Con coming up the first through the 5th of Are August. They send, they send you a check I don't know about. No, man, they're you not. You have not missed an episode. I, I just I feel like uh, – and, and so anyway, while, while, we're, while we are at Combat Con, we will – more than likely do at least one episode uh but but maybe several um so you can last time we were planning on doing a whole bunch and then it's like no no we're in las vegas we We would like to leave (laughs) and go do things yeah we did nothing but um and then we have our tip of the day that is true um i don't know this is maybe kind of ephemeral but like well i don't know exactly how to phrase what i'm thinking but um like Think about the different approaches that Aikido takes to different kinds of attackers and people. So I'm sure you guys... What? He was talking about me. I was like, what? I was very, Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Um, perfect sense. Like, listening to Yoda over here <laughs> and his commentary. Oh, yes. Oh. Sounds good, it does. Oh, the force is strong with her. <laughs> Idea. No, but like... Um, 
that may seem confusing at first, but like I know that we've all made observations while we're practicing techniques like, oh, this is good for a short person versus a tall person. Right. Or this is good for a really flexible person and horrible for an inflexible person. Right. That's the stuff you got to start going like noted mentally, you yeah. know, and then putting that together so that you can kind of start to string like uh, what Chris calls like a game, string your game together. You know, what works, of course, we all have techniques that work better for us than not. And so like starting to understand like this is what I do when I deal with an aggressive attacker. This is what I do when I deal with a flexible attacker. This is what I do when nobody's really biting at anything. And so I've got to take charge, you know, those are all like different situations and we should be able to handle those because those are all kinds of people that exist in the world and, you know, trained or not, those are kinds of people. So, right. um, so I, I don't know. I, yeah. I hope that that's helpful. I think that's a good tip <laughs> yeah. of the day. And I also, I would add, um, take note of those moments when you uh, are surprised by what's happening or, or those yeah. moments where the, 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 the video in your mind of the thing that's happening gets frazzled and something yeah uh, and suddenly because no record scratch because it it happens to us all i'm sure where it's like you know we there's this great thing that we want to have uh happen and the person does something out of the norm of, of what should happen and you know if you have the correct response you should that you shouldn't really feel that um, and you should just be moving to the next thing. Most of us will have some response. Some of us will have a big response. Some of us have a very small response. But if you feel that, just take note and go, ooh, did that flip me out? If right. that was a real situation, would I have just been pummeled because my mind went blank for a second as I was trying to figure out what, you know. And so. later, especially if it's like, if it's a strange grab or a strange position right. or someone jumps back in some weird way or something, then pull your friend off at the end of class and go, can you do that thing again? Right. Or, right. you know, can we set up this situation right. and can I just figure out what the hell right. I would something do? Something weird just happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so find those moments because that's going to be, the, that's what you want to get rid of is those uh, being surprised, right. you know. Right. Um, and, and if you and if you have questions, you know, if you find a situation like that and you're like, what is the Aikido response to this weird situation of a thing that happened? Um, you know, ask your sensei or talk with your friends about it. Or, or, send, or send us, us a, a question. Yeah, yeah, send us a question and, and, and we can A lot of times it does, it. it does, you know, take that. It takes like resetting it up and going, what is even happening here? So right. you're coming this way and I'm coming this way. Right. Um, but most of the time, I think you'll find the answer simpler than you thought. Yeah, it was. yeah. So. And and you know, I know I I really relish um, Aikido problems. Like it's like, oh, what does Aikido do here? Um, and if you think about it, I have never not found an answer. Yeah. it's always it's it's almost always there. You know, well, it's always in my experience. There. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Bye next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, bye.